0: Good morning, church family. My name is Jay Fennell, and I'm group's minister here at the church. And I get the honor of uh, preaching this morning, and I'm excited about it. Let me just go ahead and say, you probably noticed that I'm wearing the same shirt that I baptized Chris in a few weeks ago. It's my baptism shirt. Um, I wear it on baptism days. I'm just kidding. I don't do that. It's a random occurrence. It's a little embarrassing, if I'm honest, but, um, but um, Jesus is Lord, so don't forget that. Do we have any uh, National Geographic Channel fans in the room this morning? Anybody watch National Geographic Channel? No, <laughs> nobody does, okay. All right, that's awesome. Um, well, if you happen to check it out from time to time, you may notice um, some episodes that feature lions on the hunt. Maybe they're hunting Cape Buffalo or something like that. And you'll notice that um, that the the lions kind of circle the herd of Cape Buffalo. And their goal, their strategy is to create chaos so that the herd runs and flees from the lions And they look for that one Cape buffalo that separates from the rest of the herd. Oftentimes, the youngest, the weakest, the least mature gets away. And then they set their eyes on that one and they attack it and they ambush, have a nice tasty tasty snack, right? It's usually the weakest, the smallest, the one that gets away from the herd, the one that separates from the safety of the herd is the one that's most vulnerable And can I be honest with you this morning, if if I, if I may, some of you today are vulnerable. You're vulnerable because you think that this Christian life that we're living can be done alone, solo. That you don't necessarily need Christian community in your life. That you've got it under control. You know you. You don't really need to be a part of a small group. You really don't need to have someone to have access to your life and actually ask you hard questions about your life. You don't really care to learn about the blind spots in your life. Um, do you have Christian community? Now, what I mean by that is not necessarily, you know, I mean, I guess we can say we've all gathered in this room this morning. There's a community of, of believers that have all gathered here today, and, and that's important, and we need that, and that's part of our obedience to God as we serve him. But, but I'm talking about something a little deeper. I'm talking about, if you're a woman, is there, do you have women in your life that, can, that truly have access to your life? Men, do you have men in your life that can ask you hard questions and hold you accountable to some things? Do you have people in your life that, that, that can really go deep with you? Do you think you can go solo? You know, I, I realized early that that's not the way the Christian life was supposed to be, especially in, in college when I began to uh, really grow in my faith. I was... Um, for the first time in my life, I, I realized that biblical Christianity wasn't about religious practices. It was about a relationship with Jesus. And I had some, some college friends and some guys that were really growing in their faith and they were encouraging me and they were modeling for me what it looked like to follow Jesus. And so I was learning and I was growing and I was reading the Bible and I was praying. And I, was, I guess what you can call it, I was in the honeymoon phase. Anybody ever been in the honeymoon phase before? All right. I was in the honeymoon phase. But I learned pretty quickly that uh, the honeymoon phase eventually begins to wear off. It's not the honeymoon phase anymore after a while. Um, it's not like a cruise ship. It's more like a battleship. It's not a cruise ship. It's not, it's not you know, all-you-can-eat buffets and the, and the entertainment that kind of comes. It's not that. It's, it's more like a battle. It's a battleship. And I was beginning to feel kind of this battle raging in my own life in three ways. Number one, in my own heart. I began for the first time realizing that I've got sin in my life and it's not good. And God began to show me through the Holy Spirit, like what that looks like and the areas that need to be weeded out and sanctified as I continue to grow in my faith. The other part was like the secular culture. You know, I was growing in the word and I was developing a biblical worldview. But then I was realizing as I was living life that this biblical worldview that I was, for, that was forming in my life smacked against the secular cultural worldview that I was coming in contact with every day. The media, the radio, the music, the TV shows, and all the things were very different, very antithetical to a biblical worldview. So I felt that battle, right? I felt that battle in my life. And then the second, third part was I felt like there was an adversary that was against me that really hated my guts and did not want me to thrive in life in my, in my walk with Jesus. Definitely didn't want me to be effective and influential as, as it pertains to the gospel and being and ministering and meeting needs and sharing the gospel and reaching the lost. Like, the battle is real. I felt that battle in three ways. And I learned this pretty quickly, that if we want to thrive in the Christian life, we need battle buddies, we need people in our lives that are helping us grow. We need people in our lives that are holding us accountable. We need people in our lives that are encouraging us in this walk with Christ. And I'm, not, I'm talking about someone, I mean, our spouse counts for that, but I'm talking about other people in our lives that can go deep with you and can really ask you the questions. God's design for us as believers is to have Christian community. It's a gift that we ought to take advantage of. So you cannot live the Christian life as a Lone Ranger. Remember the Lone Ranger of the show? Some of you are too young for that. I'm almost too young for that. Um, You can't live the life of a Christian as a Lone Ranger. So we're in a series called Disciples, Multiplying Disciples, and we've talked about some rhythms of discipleship that are really important to have into our lives. Last week, we talked about the gathering, and this week, we're talking about groups, Groups are important rhythm that we need to be a part of. A small group is important. One of the reasons that every church in America has a Sunday school program or a small groups ministry is because they know that it's essential for those in the congregation to get in those smaller units where they can really do life with people. It's really, it's really important. And Apostle Paul, of all the people that have ever lived, I think, probably knows that better than anybody. I mean, this guy suffered. He understood what it means to live a hard life persecuted, opposed, his ministries, he'd go to, to, to different cities, different towns, go into the synagogue to preach and to teach. He would oftentimes be opposed, be persecuted by those in that city. Check this out. This is what he wrote to the church at Corinth one time. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from the rivers, from danger from bandits, from fellow Jews, from Gentiles, in the city, in the country, danger at sea, and gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and gone without food. I've been cold and I've been naked. And besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. For anyone to experience that, can you imagine experiencing that sort of life in isolation? You would quit. You'd be done. I would. I don't know if I could handle it. The great thing about Paul's ministry is he had people around him. And we're going to read about that this morning. Um, but here's some questions that I want you to consider as we move forward in this, uh, in this message this morning is this. Question number one. Do you have people around you that truly know you? People that you know that know your struggles and love you anyway. Do you have that? Do you have people that you can go to for support and encouragement when life gets hard? Because life is hard. It's not always cruise ship. It's oftentimes battleship. People who will pray for you and meet, help meet needs that you have when they come. And the third question: Do you have people who are holding you accountable? People that are calling you out, but also calling you up to further obedience to God. We all need those relationships. So if the answer to those questions for you is yes, praise God, keep going, that's awesome. Um, But if the answer to to those questions is no, then you're vulnerable. You're like those Cape buffalo that get separated from the herd and become vulnerable for ambush. We're going to be in the First Thessalonians this morning, chapter 2, end of chapter 2, beginning of chapter 3. We're going to read these words that Paul wrote to the, first Thess- to the Thessalonians there in Thessalonica. So out of the honor of God's word, would you stand as we read those passages this morning? Here's what Paul says, beginning of verse 17, chapter 2, first Thessalonians. He says, but as for you, brothers and sisters, after we were forced to leave you, For a short time in prison, in person, not in heart, we greatly desired and made every effort to return and see you face to face. So we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us. For who is our hope or joy or crown or of boasting in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ that is coming? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. Therefore, when we could no longer stand it, we thought it was better to be left alone in Athens and we sent Timothy, our brother, and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage you concerning your faith so that no one will be shaken by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that when we were appointed to this, in fact, when we were with you, we told you in advance that we were going to experience affliction, and as you know, it happened. For this reason, when I can no longer stand it, I also sent him to find out about your faith, fearing that the tempter had tempted you and that your, our labor might be for nothing but now Timothy has come back to us from you and brought us good news about your faith and love and he's reported that you were always you always have good memories of us and that you long to see us as we long to see you therefore brothers and sisters in all our distress and affliction we were encouraged about your faith about encouraged uh, about you through your faith for now we live if we stand firm in the lord let's pray together So Lord, thank you so much for this passage today. Thank you for biblical community. May we today see the value. May you put that in our hearts, Lord. We thank you for this passage. Thank you for our time together. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first thing you'll notice is Paul's love for these people. Paul's love for these people. He loved this church, and they loved him. And he had invested a lot in the formation of this church and in the, the relationships there. In fact, you can read about the formation of the church in Thessalonica in Acts 17. It was Paul's second missionary journey. I'll give you the short version. Paul and Silas, his ministry partner, come into town one day and they go to the synagogue where they often would go to begin teaching and, and preaching and sharing about Jesus. And a short time later, um, God blessed their work there, and a large number of Greeks and leading women in the city got saved. So now God is, is, is raising people up, raising the church up here. But a group of Jews who heard about what was going on and seeing about what was going on and the attention and the success that Paul and Silas were having— got really jealous. And so what they did is that they stirred up some commotion. They got some wicked men in the city to kind of start a riot. And so they started a riot and they made their way to the place where Paul and Silas were staying while they were in town at Jason's house. And so they go to Jason's house, they knock on the door, Paul and Silas are not there. So they take Jason, they take him out into the public assembly and accuse him of harboring fugitives. They find him and send him on his way. But Paul and Silas are in danger now and they can't move around the city openly, and so now they're in hiding, and they wait till evening when it was dark, and they slip out of town undetected on their way to Berea, where they would continue their ministry. And so when Paul is talking about saying things in the beginning of verse 17, when he says, we were forced to leave you, that's what he was talking about. He was talking about his forced separation from them. He had to leave unexpectedly from the city and he didn't want to leave them because he wanted to invest more time there. That was part of the reason why he was a little anxious about being separated from them because he perhaps felt like his time with them wasn't enough and the opposition and persecution that would come to them. Would they maintain their faith or not? And of course, the report comes back that they had. Another way that um, that went forced to leave you could be rendered in the original language is um, orphaned from you. That's how Paul felt. He felt that he was orphaned from the Thessalonian people. He was forcibly removed from them. And there was anguish in his tone as he's writing this and has separated from biblical community, had to be forced out of town. Did you know that there are 38 missionary families connected to Brentwood Baptist Church that are serving overseas in all sorts of environments, many of which are serving in very challenging circumstances and situations. Some of them are serving in areas where there aren't believers for miles, sometimes hundreds of miles. They're the only family there, them and maybe one other family in town in the city of hundreds of thousands that are the believers there. And one of the things that I hear from the missions department often is how desperate these missionaries are for biblical community. When you don't have it, you feel it. And they're, oftentimes serving in isolation in some ways, not by, not by choice, but by necessity. They just aren't believers in that area. And they've chosen to leave family, to leave the comforts of home, to make their way to to foreign places, to share the gospel. But you can imagine the loneliness that might come in, the homesickness that comes in as a result of that when you don't have proximity to, to Christians and, and have the, the, the value of biblical community in your life it's just so important that when especially for them when 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 life is hard for them in and, and the places they are when someone gives them an encouraging word or someone is saying we're here with you the hope that that brings to them it's so crucial and it's so key christians should want to be with other christians it's really really important my question to you is do you want to be around other christians in that sense do you have a deep affection for people so much that you're like man I got to be with those people these are my family these are these are these are people that I need to be around in my life on a weekly basis can I give a little bit of a can I go on a little bit of a rant here's a little bit of a rant okay sorry about that i'm the groups minister at the, uh, here at this campus and i work with a lot of group leaders and one of the things that they really struggle with sometimes is the fact that some of the folks in their group um, don't make group attendance and engagement a must-do. They make it a nice-to-do on their priority list. Now, I get it. There's some times where you just can't go. You've got family. You've got circumstances. Things happen, and it's a challenge to be consistent all the time. Man, I, I get that. That's, that's part of life. But there are other times where it's just like, you know what? I don't really feel like going today. The effort to, to get together or to whatever, it's just not worth it. Can I encourage you this morning? Don't be wishy-washy. Be committed. Because, man, you, you will be blessed when you engage in a more deep, deep level. God can bless your life. And, and, and not only that, your group leaders love you. They, they want you. They, you bring value to their group, and they want you to be there. So, ran over. I just want to say, make it a priority in your life. The second thing you'll notice from these passages is this. It's not a matter of if hardships come to those who follow Jesus, but when. It's not a matter of if, but when. You've heard that before. In verse 2.18, Paul says that Satan hindered him from returning to see the Thessalonians. He literally stood in his way and prevented him from going. Verse 3.2, Paul talks about sending Timothy to strengthen and encourage their faith so that no one would be shaken. Their faith wouldn't be lost. They wouldn't lose heart because of the persecutions that they were experiencing. he, He wanted them to be together, and he was sending Timothy to strengthen them in the midst of it. And then Paul talks about his own distress and affliction. I mentioned that a minute ago, he was anxious because he was worried that perhaps the tempter had tempted them and they were no longer held on to the faith that Paul had shared with them. They had held on to it and he was glad about that and he was proud of that. But Christian life, right, is not a love boat. It's a battleship. When you get serious about your faith, what will happen is that you will feel attacked. And if you want to spread the gospel and you want to be effective in ministry and you want to be about all all things about Jesus, um, you will experience opposition and persecution. Do you have battle buddies? Do you have have people that are in the trenches with you and the battle rages around you, people that you can go to that can that can provide encouragement and, and, and can help um, provide support. You have people that you can admit your weaknesses and struggles with in your life. Is anyone there to encourage you in the environments you, you, you find yourself? You need those people. When I was in the ninth grade, I w- wanted desperately to make the basketball team. And one particular day, the varsity and junior varsity teams were, were practicing together. It was preseason. You could probably tell. I mean, I'm six foot six, so inevitably, what'll happen when I meet someone for the first time, they'll say, "Hey, did you play basketball?" And I, I go, "Yeah." Um, but so we were practicing, in the, and it was the preseason, and we were practicing some sprints, and we we're trying to work on our explosiveness, which I was never an explode. I never had explode. I don't even know what that means. But we were we were practicing, and. um and it was a hard day for me physically. Like I, I was lagging behind, I tripped a few times, and I was really worried that my performance in the preseason was gonna affect my my chances of making the team. And I was a freshman in high school, so I was just you know down on the totem pole big time. And I can remember uh, in between some workout sessions I was kind of a moment of rest, I'm, I'm bent over, I've got my hands on my knees, I'm puffing and I'm struggling, and one of the um, one of the senior players who's the best player on the varsity team saw me from a distance and he walked over to me and he walked over he had no idea what my name was but he said this keep going keep going and I'm telling you it was like a flood of adrenaline filled my body and it was everything that I needed in that moment and I was like LeBron James the rest of the practice okay probably not LeBron James more like Some other scrub player. But anyway, I was I was motivated. I was encouraged. I was supported. And and that's exactly what I needed in the moment. Do you have someone in your life that says to you, keep going? Keep going. Don't give up. Don't give in to that temptation. Stay the course. Pursue Christ. I know it's hard, but I'm here for you. Keep going. We all need those people. Do you have those people in your life that have access to your life and can say those things to you? Last thing. Last thing you'll notice here is that Paul considered these Thessalonians his crown of boasting. Verse 19, he says this, For who is our hope or joy or crown of boasting At the presence of our Lord Jesus at his coming, is it not you? So in other words, what Paul is saying here is this. That part of his ministry was this ongoing encouragement of the churches that he planted that they would persevere and stand firm amid opposition. He was proud of this church because they had done that. So, not only do we need Christian community because of the encouragement we receive, we also need Christian community because of the encouragement we get to give to others. Part of our opportunity as believers, as followers of Jesus, is to not only receive encouragement from the body and from Christian community, but also give it as a ministry. I need you, you need me. I need your support, you need my support. We need Each other. We're not designed to do the Christian life independently, separate from the body of Christ, and we're not designed to do it overly dependent in an unhealthy way. The way it's designed is that we are designed to be in community interdependently with one another. There's a mutuality to our relationship as we are in community with others not under obligation or or coercion, but because we love each other. We we love each other, and we want to see each other thrive in our lives, in our walks with Jesus. And so part of the benefit of Christian community is that we get to pour our lives into the lives of others. There's a great blessing that comes when you can do that. About eight years ago, my wife and I traveled to California. We went to the San Francisco area. I was a part of a conference that I was I was at there, and we decided one day to drive up to Mirror Woods, which is just right near, close by, across the Golden Gate Bridge. And it was a fantastic experience. I'd never seen trees that big. Here's a picture of me standing, um, standing under one of the neath those trees. I look much younger in that picture. It looks like. Um, but I was, I, it was crazy to see that how, how big these trees were and how small you felt standing under them. I mean, some of them are 300 feet tall and thousands of years old. Just amazing. But one of the things that, 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 that I learned about these trees is, is that the root systems don't go super deep into the ground. You would think that that's the case. Instead, they go out and they interconnect and intertwine with other redwood trees that are close to them. And so, when the waters, when the winds come and the storms rage and, and the weather's bad and, and, and the things come in life, those, those trees withstand because they're connected together with other, other trees. So, I think you can see where I'm going with this. Like, we need to be like the redwood trees interconnected, intertwined. We need to be together to withstand the storms and the winds that come. We need each other to withstand those experiences in life. Do you have people in your life besides your spouse that has access to your life, that has that opportunity to speak into your life that way? Our call to action this morning is this. Find Christian community. Get in a group if you're not in one. Opportunity today to take that journey. One, one way to do that is to fill out the connection card at the seat back in front of you, indicate groups. We'll take it up and we'll follow up with you this week. Or you can see me. I'll be in the Next Steps room after the service today. I'd love to talk to you about what it would look like for you to jump into a, to a Christian community, to a small group that we have through the church of Nolensville. We would truly help We'd love to help you take those steps. Don't put yourself in a vulnerable position. Like those Cape buffalo that get separated from the herd. Stay connected. Get deep with people. And you'll begin to realize just how much of a blessing that is to your life. Let's pray together. So, Lord, we thank you for the time we had today. And I just pray that God, you would work in our lives that way. Thank you for the gift of biblical community. Thank you that you have given to us people, gifts that we need in life. We're not supposed to be Lone Ranger Christians. We need people, Lord. So I pray that that would resonate in our hearts today. Thank you for those who've already made that commitment and are living that out. I pray for those others, Lord, who need to take that step today. Would you motivate them to do that. We thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing in and through our church, and we pray these things in your name. Amen.